Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. How many of you this morning would say, hey, I need some rest? It's okay to be honest. Yeah, it's right. So, and, and, and this journey today I want to take us on, on emotional health, is about rest, ultimately rest for our souls, because God wants us to have rest, because it is a journey. Um, I know for a lot of you, between work and family and kids and managing extended family, you are just tired, and, and you know, that, that, that happens. Here's what Dallas Willard said, great author, speaker. He said, I have a friend with young kids who tells me that each night he has a little ritual where he stops his car in a little parking lot about five minutes from his house, gets himself mentally psyched up to arrive home, prays, does a few Hail Marys and drinks a Red Bull because he knows the most intense part of his day is about to start. Maybe parents understand that and can say, yeah, grandparents, right? And, and uh, that's really true, right? You got to get yourself ready and mentally psyched up. And I want to say, hey, I salute you, parents. I know you're tired. Uh, you know, complicating really all of this for all of our lives is we have a culture that is chronically overworked. And uh, matter of fact, our culture says many times, it, it teaches us to overwork and, and value that more than anything else. So every study out there, of course, shows that it's bad for us. Overwork is bad for us. We know it's bad for our families. A lot of parents try to justify by saying, hey, I'm doing this for my family. But overwork is bad for our health. And healthcare professionals say overwork is more often than not a factor in the most common medical ailments in our society, including heart disease, lung ailments, cancer, accidental injuries, and cirrhosis of the liver, just to name a few of those. A recent study showed that those who work 11-hour days are, get this now, are 250% more likely to become depressed than those who limit their work to an eight-hour day. The reason is that when you and I are under so much stress, your body releases a certain amount of chemicals and hormones to try to deal with it. Well, that's okay on a normal rhythm, but if you keep staying at that pace that is not sustainable, what it does is it leads to more anxiety and more depression. But there's, there's many reasons that you and I are driven to overwork. I mean, the most obvious is, is that our work is how we provide for ourselves and our family. The, the privileges we enjoy, we believe, are in direct proportion to how hard we work. But sometimes um, we go and we know that it's how we find our identity. We think the nature of our work determines our worth. Isn't that true? That's so true. And after we find out a person's name for the first time, you ask them, well, what do you do? We go to that very quickly because we often judge people based on the kind of work that they do and we do. We sometimes try to exaggerate it, right? And I don't know, have you noticed how normal job titles have given way to more impressive sounding ones? I mean, really trying to draw people. I saw a Pizza Hut advertisement looking to hire a shift manager that said, trying to fill a position for dean of pizza. I mean, what, I mean, that sounds really good. The dean of pizza, right? Another restaurant chain is taking resumes for a beverage dissemination officer 
otherwise known as a bartender. I mean, you got to make it sound glamorous, right, nowadays, trying to just draw workers in, you know, any way you can. There's a Wall Street Journal article that said most of us inflate the number of hours we work because it makes us feel important to be so in demand. Sometimes we're driven to overwork because we're trying to please so many other people. You fellow type A'ers in the room, you know this, firstborns, you don't want to let people down. You've got to live up to these expectations that are in our world. So you have to answer the email. You have to return the phone call. You're attached to your phone like it's an IV. And how do I know that? Because some of you have already checked your phone a couple of times since I've started preaching. Bottom line is, for this reason, we're a tired people. There's a little phrase in Hebrews. It's always had an incredibly attractive power. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9, if you have your Bibles. It says, so then there remains a Sabbath, what? Rest for the people of God. So there remains a rest for the people of God. Matthew eleven twenty eight. you know this. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? And today, I, I want to explore these passages and a couple more on this idea of rest that Jesus is talking about. You know, if anything... Christianity just feels like more stuff to do, and we've put it in that category. But according to Jesus, the core of the Christian experience is rest. That has to come out of our core for emotional health to take place. Dallas Willard says that for most of us, we jump into the busy part of Christianity, serving your neighbor, being active in the church, getting busy with spiritual disciplines, but we skip the rest part, which is crucial in being able to be in the center of his will. Here's the big idea for today, if you're taking notes. The most mature in Jesus are not those working hardest for him, but those resting best in him. It's how we really evaluate each other, though. We really do that. We look through that lens. How busy are they? How busy are we? You know, are they doing enough? They're already busy doing a lot, but hey, they're doing more, reading 20 chapters of the Bible every single day. The writer of Hebrews ties this rest to the Old Testament concept of Sabbath. So let's look at that and unpack it together. The first portion of Scripture you're very well aware of is Exodus chapter 20, which he, where he gives the Ten Commandments, verse 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God created the world, we know, in six days, rested on the Sabbath, so should we also. And so, why do we Sabbath? Well, I'm going to just talk about three areas here. Why do we Sabbath? Three major reasons. Number one, to remind us God is the point of our lives. He is the point. To take a day to recognize that God didn't create us to accomplish tasks first, but to be in love with him first. Sometimes the tyranny of our life can cause us to disconnect from the purpose for which we were created for, which is the quickest way, by the way, to live in misery. That's the quickest way to live in misery. Study shows that you and I can endure a lot of strain and even a lot of pain if we know the purpose behind it. So we're to take one day off just to remind ourselves of that. We weren't created for a job first. We were created for God. And on that day, we are just supposed to enjoy him and enjoy his creation. 
just to be alive. One day to be rather than to do. Our world tells us different. You just need to do. And we're a people of doing, that's for sure, for the most part. But rarely do we reflect and back off from it and are a people that are to be more like him and how he's created us to be. So that's the point. Number two, to remind us that God is the provider for our lives. In many ways, taking this day off was inconvenient, especially in ancient Israel. You understand that survival was a day-to-day and a season-to-season affair. Crops had to be harvested. Water had to be drawn. To cut their productivity by one-seventh could make the difference of life and death because there's no other society that did this. But God commanded his people to do it because he wanted to remind them at the end of the day it was his responsibility to provide for them. So he had to cut their productivity by one-seventh to give him space to work. You know, sometimes we're so busy in our lives, we don't allow God any place to come and work in our lives. Have you ever noticed that? We're just so busy, we forgot about God. We don't give him the opportunity to work. And this is what he was bringing the people of God to, and he's bringing us to as well and bringing back to us. This is the Sabbath day principle. If they would take one day in obedience to him, he would multiply their effectiveness on the other six days so that they would actually accomplish more in six days than they had worked in seven. Most of the provisions that you and I experience in our life, the most of it comes from the work that you and I do. You understand that? Money typically doesn't just, um, doesn't just magically appear like, oh, look, honey, another direct deposit from God in our bank account. That's, that would be really nice, right? And so the problem is if that happens, it's usually called a bank error, and you should tell them about it. Okay? No, typically, God provides for us through natural means. We work, and we get paid. God bears the responsibility, and so in that, we are to take a day off each week to declare that. Here's the problem for many of our lives. What we do is we worship our work, and we play with God. Yeah. There's a lot of people worshiping their work. And we just play with God on the side. But it's on the day of the Sabbath we say, you know, God, I'm doing less than I'm able to because you commanded me to, because it's a command, and I'm depending on you to make up what I'm missing here. He would make sure through that and in our own lives that he will make up the difference and meet all of our needs and all the ends would meet. That's his job. You see, God has set up the world so that we provide for ourselves by mostly natural means. Six days you shall labor. That's what he says. Sabbath was a declaration of trust. Uh, you, you don't do it because we think, well, I've got a better plan than God many times. But, but God's promised us if you do it, he says, I will make up the rest. I don't know about you, but I got a lot of rest that needs to be made up in my life. Right? The second place the Sabbath is discussed is Deuteronomy where Moses adds one other purpose for the Sabbath. Deuteronomy chapter 5, 12 through 15. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You shall remember that you were, I want you to get this, you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord God brought you out with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Here, We see the Sabbath was given them and given them the opportunity and space to reflect on their salvation. That's the third point. 
is to remind us that God is the Savior of our lives. Sabbath is a reminder that God is our Savior and we are not. You and I make a terrible Savior of our lives. Terrible. To reflect on that fact that their greatest need, deliverance from sin, and that's our greatest need, deliverance from sin, God had accomplished this by himself. And for meeting that need, you and I hadn't contributed one iota to doing that because he is our Savior. The Lord brought you out by a mighty hand. What part had uh, the children of Israel played in that in the book of Exodus? Nothing. Did they help God in the ten plagues? No. God wasn't like, okay, tonight we're going to turn the Nile into blood. So get a hundred bags of powdered blood, then go collect all the frogs you, you find, and you can release them on Pharaoh's porch. God wasn't like, and the third plague is a night of cow tipping. No, that wasn't God, right? No, he did all this himself. He's God. So Moses, he's telling him, you are to stop for one day to reflect on that fact. And Moses says, listen, if God took care of your greatest need all by himself, don't you think that you can trust him to take care of your day-to-day needs now? Verse 15, Moses tells them on the Sabbath, they were to reflect on their new relationship with God. You need to make a turn in your relationship, Moses is saying. You need to make a turn in how you see the Father. You were a slave, now you are a son. You were a slave, you're a son, you were under the cruel reign of Pharaoh, now you're under the tender care of your father, and you can trust him. Just stop thinking like slaves and start thinking like sons and daughters of the king. It's a change in mindset because there are a lot of people in Christianity today that are continuing to live their lives as a slave rather than a son or a daughter of the king. So we get trapped in the mindset. If I'm not working, if I can't find my identity, then I am nothing. These were the three things as God is pointing out, that Moses is pointing out, God was the point, the provider, and the savior of their life. If you go back to the book of Hebrews, according to the writer of Hebrews, all this Sabbath stuff was just a shadow that pointed to Christ. He says in verse, uh, chapter 4 and 8, For if Joshua, Moses' successor, has given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later, and so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever... Whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his. The Sabbath that Moses and Joshua instituted really did not provide the ultimate rest that they needed. It pointed forward to Jesus Christ in the New Testament, who would be theirs in our ultimate rest. Here's three ways. Here's three ways to know if you are really trusting Christ Jesus as your rest. Three things. Three things that we look and can see. The first one is, is Christ my righteousness? Do you see Christ as your righteousness? And if you have and you live that way, you have entered into rest. The ultimate way that Christ is our Sabbath is he saved us. And just like uh, with Israel, God accomplished that all by himself. He took my sin. He took your sorrow. He made me his very, very own. He bore my burden to Calvary, and he suffered, and he died alone. There, you know, there, there are so many ways that we um, cooperate together with God, but really in it, it's what God did 
for us and through us in Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't give us an instruction manual with an explanation on how to save ourselves. No, no, no. He did the work and he told us, believe and receive. I've done the work for you. Now will you believe it and will you receive it? He says in verse 10 of Hebrews 4, for whoever has entered Christ, God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his. You know, this doesn't mean that we're to stop doing good works. That's not saying that. Of course not. We're to work hard. That's right. We're to do good works. We just cease to do them as a way of obtaining salvation. And then we get rest that, that we are no longer a slave, but we are now sons and we have obtained favor from God. The second one is not only righteousness. You, know, you can know if you've entered into Christ's rest if you trust him is Christ my identity. Christ Jesus, you are my identity through your salvation. Christ has given you and me a new identity in him. I am no longer a stranger. I am no longer an orphan before God. I am a son or a daughter of God, brother or sister, a best friend with Christ. And as his child, you and I have been given specific gifts for his kingdom and his glory. Again, he says, and whoever has entered... That's for everybody, but you and I got to enter it. And he's saying this is so important that you understand that our identity has to be in him, in a world that's mixed up in their identity. And it's been given through Christ. Our souls, really, in every single one of us, have an ingrained sense of unworthiness. You ever notice that? It's called shame, and it's a result of the fall. That we walk around so many times ingrained in us, I'm unworthy, I feel terrible, all this. And the shame and the guilt just weighs us down in that all the time. It was first experienced as a sense of shame over our nakedness. You go back to Genesis before the fall, we were naked but not ashamed. But, but once they understood in their sin that they felt this, this their soul felt this in deeply that they needed to clothe themselves in something else. And our work becomes one of those ways that we do it. It gives us a sense of significance. The gospel tells us you have a new identity in Jesus Christ. You are a chosen son or daughter, and he has a plan for you to use in his kingdom. And that's a better identity than anything else in our life. You know, for a long time, I found my identity in how my work was or how it turned out. How about you? like how good the sermon was, and if it wasn't, I felt pretty bad. These things cause my soul unrest. Do I still fight against it today? Yes. Like, have I done enough? And if I haven't, I need to get back up, and I need to go back after, I need to do it. What I want you to write down in this is, apart from Christ, you will work even when you are resting but with Christ, you can rest even while you're working. You can know if you've entered into Christ's type of rest, if you sense and know him as your true identity. Then the third is, Christ my security. You know, God had said to Israel, if I rescued you when you were a helpless slave, surely I'll take care of you now that you are my beloved sons and daughters. Take a day off and reflect on that. If this is your Sabbath day today, would you take a day off and would you just reflect on that? Because that's pretty powerful. Now, we see in the early church, they shift, shifted the Sabbath day to Sunday. But on that day, they were to reflect on the exact same thing. 
If God did not spare his own son to save me, now that I'm his beloved child, will he not freely give us all things? So the Sabbath was fulfilled in Christ. Christ, my righteousness. Christ, my identity. Christ, my security. But just because the Sabbath was fulfilled in Christ doesn't mean we stop practicing the principle of the Sabbath. See, into the very fabric of creation, God established that life was to be a, wit, a rhythm of work and rest. And uh, that it's a rhythm. I love that portion of Scripture. He wants to help us find rest, Matthew chapter 11. It talks about the rhythms of God's grace. Sometimes we're so outside of the rhythm of God. We're running and running and running and trying and striving. And we're so tired and we're weary because we've worn ourselves out. Oh, oh, believe me, I know it's a lot easier for me to get up here and preach about work, 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 and work, work harder. You're, you don't work hard enough. Oh, that, that, that sells, right? Because we're in America, right? Hello, are you with me, church? Pretty quiet right now. Oh, I'm all for hard work, right? But we live in a world that values overwork at the expense of our own health, our families, and our lives today. And we're suffering because of it. But it's the right thing to do. It's what I was taught. You need to back off and you need to see, are you living by the commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ? And are you getting the proper rest that you need so that you can be good, not only for you, but your family? One day a week for rest, renewal, and relationship. So let me give you a couple of practical applications for this point. This is just practical, okay? But get more sleep. Don't apply this right now, but get more sleep, okay? Those who study these things said the vast majority of us need to get more sleep, not less. They say only 3% of the population is sleeping too much. Historical context, up until 1879, the average American used to sleep, get this, 11 hours a night. That's a lot. What changed in 1879? Bing. Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, which is great, but then we started to sleep less. Then we had more light, and then we had the phones. Our lack of sleep contributes to all kinds of health problems and even makes us less efficient. I saw this TED Talk that explained your brain doesn't have blood vessels in it like the rest of your body where the blood flows, which is how most of your cells remove waste through the blood. But there is an enzyme the brain produces that carries waste away, and that enzyme is only produced in sleep. When you get proper sleep, you're taking waste out of your brain, which is why when you and I haven't slept, your minds feel cluttered and clunky. How many of you feel cluttered and clunky today? Thank you. Yeah, a little bit of clunky. <laughs> How about a daily Sabbath? I mean, what would happen if daily you were able to take a time out? Maybe it's in the middle of the day. Maybe it's you can do this and you can take it. Maybe it's in the busyness. You can just go find a quiet space and just maybe take five, ten minutes and just unplug and have this quiet time. Will you take a daily Sabbath? even though you're having a, a day of Sabbath in your week. Maybe it's taking a daily Sabbath. I've had to do this before. Things coming at us, flying towards us, so many things pulling at us. You feel torn apart. 
take a moment and maybe have a daily Sabbath. Get some quiet time. Pull away. Or how about this one? Take a nap. That's true. You know, one thing Chris and I really love about Sundays is after we have lunch, we go home and we enjoy a nap. And you know what? So do our dogs. They sleep right between us. Our dogs look forward to Sunday naps. They're just like, get up on the bed <laughs> with us. They're just loving it, yeah. Oh. A recent study found that 30, a 30-minute 30 nap three times a week cuts your heart attack risk by 40%. It's true. Be happy about your nap. Take a yearly vacation. Through the Bible, we see Jesus commanding his people to take time off, even take time out of their, their work, out of their day to say, hey, here's, here's Mark 6.31. Jesus was teaching the disciples a lesson. He's going to teach us a lesson here. Then he says, because so many people were coming and going that they did not, not even have a chance to eat, he said this to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So many were coming. And let me tell you about the world we live in. So many things will continue to come. Oh, yeah. Difficulties, challenges, hurting people, craziness. Let me tell you, they didn't stop for Jesus. They're definitely not stopping for you and me. And he told his disciples, you know what? It's time for you and I to pull away. There's always going to be problems. There's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be plenty of darkness out there. But you need to pull away and get alone with me and find that place of rest. So these are a couple practical ones. Stop and proclaim Christ as your rest, will you? So, I mean, you know, some of the things that we're doing as a staff, we just started really talking about this in the last couple of weeks, just talking about, hey, let's pray into how we as a church and how we in our ministries can maybe take the next six months to a year and begin to pull off some things where we've been very busy on, on things and so many people serve and do such a tremendous job. But there's some things that probably we should stop doing. And we need to pull back from that. We need to get rest. You know your pastors need rest too, just like you do. We're human. We get weary just like you. We just need to pull back from it and just say, okay, God, what are you saying to us in this season? Because you're speaking. And so I'm thankful that the board has allowed Kristen and I for the month of July, next month, to have a sabbatical rest. So I'm very thankful. Thank you to the board members of this church that see that and recognize that. Thank you. So next month, for the month of July, Kristen and I won't be here, but the other staff are going to lead it. They're going to do an amazing job. I already have seen the series that they're going to be preaching on. It's going to be tremendous. And, um, but, but Chris and I are just going to kind of pull back. So I'm going to practice what I preach. Okay? We're just going to pull back and get some rest and uh, just get filled up. So Jesus in Matthew 11, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. We read this and we look at the life of Jesus, light, easy? What was light about the cross? Isn't it heavy? He's offering the weary a yoke. We know this. A yoke was a saddle. The oxen wore to plow, and that sounds like uh, what tired workers need the least, right? A, a, a yoke, something to be put on. No, they, they, need a, they need a mattress of vacation, not a yoke. 
But what Jesus is offering is not an escape from life, but a new way to go through life. A new way to go through life. And the challenge is, is he says, listen, instead of offering you escape from the pressures, because that doesn't happen, he offers you new equipment to use to bear up under the pressure. So when, when you're yoked with something stronger, you know the stronger one does most of the pulling. That's what he was telling them. Because Jesus is the stronger one. So, because if he only gave us a temporary escape, well, you know what? It wouldn't last long. We would still be stressed. But he says, listen, I'm giving you new equipment to bear up underneath of it. And by the way, the kind of rest Christ offers is only available for the fully committed. Are you committed? Are you in? Are you 100% on this? He says, this is a command I give you. You know, the hardest way to live is the way most religious people do. Instead of surrendering fully to Jesus, they adopt a new religious checklist of things they need to do to keep God happy. We do that too. And what it does is it just makes us feel more burdened and busier. And what happens is we're not getting the benefit of the rest that God has called us to be fully committed and really understand in it, it's not something to be put on our life that feels so heavy, but it's something where he is going to yoke us with himself, and he's going to help pull you through the struggle, pull you through what you're going through right now. Some of you in this room, you are weighted down with so many things, and that happens, but you need to yoke your life with Jesus today and be fully committed and really take this command and live it to its fullest. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.